Clean cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenwyn Monroe and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we talk Long Island Sun, Long Island's Sun, and a sunnier island's Sun 2. As always, I'm joined by the Warren Spawn to my Johnny Sane, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, Kyle Carr. Dan Fallon is praying for rain. Kyle, is Sam Allardyce return to the Premier League the Christmas gift we all needed in 2020? Sub-question, if Allardyce were a Christmas carol, which carol would he be? So for those of you who are not familiar, uh, noted pint drinker of wine, Sam Allardyce, uh, returned to the Premier League, uh, signing on with uh, West Bromwich Albion, I believe. Am I correct there? Replacing uh, their manager, Bilic. Uh, They haven't been doing too poorly, but apparently... They just thought the style of football was too attractive and wanted to bring in old Sam Allardyce. It was funny because they had just gone on the road and drew Manchester City, which was shocking in its own right. They had just gotten a vital point on the road against a very good Manchester City team, even if they are underachieving. And they still got rid of him to bring in Big Sam. And I would say the Christmas Carol that Big Sam is is probably baby it's cold outside it was old it's something that people knew it's still it's a bit problematic now that we look back on it it's not really a good song it's it's just something that was in the time back in the day sure but it's 2020 we don't need that anymore we, we need to move on from it I, I i like that one i like it uh that that works pretty well uh i was gonna go with Adeste. Uh, well come all ye faithful and the reason here is uh, Come All Ye Faithful was originally written in Latin. And one of my favorite things about Sam Allardyce is he once, you know, basically made the point that if you were known as Allardice, we'd all be prous- praising his tactical nous and, and going on and on. And so, you know, Come All Ye Faithful on the surface seems like just another boring ass Christmas carol you know, English, white as can be, but in fact, originally written in Latin. It speaks to the broader European community, much like Allardice does. We don't, we don't recognize <laughs> the genius that is Sam Allardice. I, I guess, but the problem is, like, the reason Big Sam keeps getting these damn jobs is because he's English and he's decent enough to get teams not relegated. It's not because he's just... He's not a tactical genius in the fact that he's getting his teams to be, you know, contending. It's just good enough not to suck. And Kyle, <laughs> you, you just don't understand the logic of the Allardice. That's Apparently the problem not. here. You're, 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 you're failing to recognize that if Big Sam weren't Big Sam football man, if he were Samuel Allardice, he'd be the Jose Mourinho of his time. I guess there's also like Tony Poulos, where if it was... Tony police, maybe he would also be considered or Alan party. Well, I, I mean, I, I mean the French, argument so. here is essentially, you know, there was something like, you know, if a bull had udders, it, you know, if, or, you know, if a bull had udders, it'd be a, a cow, right? That's kind of the argument. I think Sam Allardyce is trying to make here, but it doesn't make me, uh, you know, it doesn't make me enjoy his naive delusion any less. I, I just see West Brom get relegated. West Brom, Burnley, and at this point, Sheffield's going to get relegated. They just need to go. They just need to get relegated and not come back. I thought I wanted Fulham, but after how bad Sheffield has been and Chris Wilder continuously targeting Klopp, I was like, you know what? You can get relegated too. Thanks for the 20 million. Scott, Bar- Scott Parker is so good looking that like, if you read about now, like Scott Parker on Twitter, you see women commenting and, and non-straight men that – people are like, oh, he's probably an asshole, you know, because he's so kind of good looking and well-kempt, you know, oh, he's got to be an asshole. He's that good looking. True. So, you know, uh, something that I've never, ever had anyone have to worry about. Keith is so good looking. He's probably an asshole. No, Keith is just an asshole all on his own. I was going to say, so, maybe I'm going to said that about me, but <laughs> if she's changed her mind, then cool. I mean, we're already stuck. We're kind of together. So it's, uh, she's out. She can't leave. <laughs> 
Also, you know, no, no, uh, back to the Sam Allardyce thing. No Allardyce anywhere would ever get busted drinking a pint glass of wine. I mean, no Italian in their right mind would ever be caught being so uncouth. You know, that's right. just, that's just disgusting. And you gotta gross. have standards. Yeah. Uh, so never going to be Allardyce, but you know, if you were Allardyce, Kyle, we would we would think of him much like uh, noted tactical genius Jose Mourinho. Uh, now, for a while, by the way, to and I'm going to make a transition here. Sam Allardyce was being proposed by some people as a manager here in the United United States uh, for the United States men's national team, and um, because he didn't have a job at the time, and I'm sure his agent was planting stories in the press. Can you imagine? Sam Allardyce involved in CONCACAF, much like the CONCACAF opera, as I've taken to calling it, uh, which Flor Mingos, our good friend David uh, uh, Magnus, pardon, uh, I made this comment to him, and he said, Cosi fan totally crazy, I think was his uh, explanation. Uh, For those of you who didn't watch the, the, the match between Club America uh, and uh, the LA Galaxy. I watched it live. Oh, nope, LAFC. Uh, uh, LAFC. LAFC. Oh, they God. will attack. Oh, dear God. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've now angered LA football Twitter, um, who I didn't know LA could get worked up about anything. Uh, but apparently, do not confuse those. LAFC, pardon. Um, and um, I-, I thought briefly I had watched a match that you had not seen, Kyle, but you apparently watched it on, on tape delay. Yeah, so I you did watch a match that I did not watch live. It was late. It was like a Saturday, 9.30 p.m. I can't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Having a, a almost year-old child. Well, and you were up was, at 6.30 for that Liverpool match in your defense, and unlike me, you don't take regularly scheduled naps. So. I, I want to. <laughs> yeah, I Trust me, I want to. But, yes, I eventually saw it. It was either yes, late yesterday, but that match was that was something. It was peak Concacaf. Um, I woke up, saw all the tweets, saw all the messages, and I was like, you know, this would be the match that I would miss because the uh, Tigres match prior that was a very low key. Tigres dominated. No fits about it. It was very straightforward, and then we got the exact opposite. <laughs> Well, one one thing uh, I did want to mention as well is if you haven't, um, you know, one of the teams playing on on uh, uh, th- Thursday night or on pardon in the other semifinal was uh, uh, from Honduras, um, and the the flock are raising funds. Uh, the the good friend of of the pod and and friend of the flock, Leo, uh, you know, carries the or as you probably know, more people know him as the paper mache flamingo guy. Uh, the stucco flamingo guy uh, is from Honduras and the flock is raising money for, uh, you know, the relief efforts there. Uh, they've been hit by two hurricanes. It's, it's, you know, really sad uh, situation. So if you have a chance, go to the flock's website, you'll find the link there to donate. If you can, it's a tight time of year, you know, um, and if you can't, you know, one understands, but uh, you know, a good way to get some Christmas karma as it were. That said, that match, perfectly calm, perfectly normal. And then Bob Bradley, Herrera, they square off. It just goes bonkers. It was, of course, Ochoa had to be the one to more or less shithouse his way into it. it he had, with the contact, the contact he drew from Estreta, it was funny. It was one of those words. You should not get caught. You should not get in trouble for someone's acting ability like that. But it was very blatant that it should not have been a red card. But there's no VAR in the CONCACAF Champions League. For, for good or for bad. You know, it's funny. These are the times when VAR would have been helpful. But at the same time, we probably would have complained about VAR anyway. But you have that. You have a coach punch Herrera, <laughs> which I thought was the funniest part. And I said, nine out of ten times. If you're getting punched like that, you probably deserve it. (laughs) Then there's the red card. Then LAFC take the lead. 
in, and in like is trying to communicate seconds, with walkie-talkies. Like, yeah. Okay. So we need to break all of it. you. You like crammed like a whole lot of stuff into a little bit. So let's start with the shithousery from Ochoa. And here's the thing. So he doesn't touch him at all. No. But it's great coordinated shithousery because Ochoa goes down like he's been sniped from somewhere in the Orlando stands. The guy who had come over, and I'm sure Ochoa probably said something to Atueta at that point, right? Like immediately goes like bonkers, right? And starts flagging and races over to linesman. So first of all, good teamwork on the shithousery. That's why it's CONCACAF right there. Yep, that is peak CONCACAF. Yeah, you got to get two guys in on it. Just one, you know, no. The other thing that really <laughs> dooms a tweet a there uh, is, and, and am I getting getting his name right? Uh, I can't remember. I, I cannot. I have no good pronunciation ability, okay. but. <laughs> uh, uh, what really he, is he goes like this, right? Is he grabs mm. the back of his head. For those of you watching at home, the this was me grabbing the back of my head. And so leads one to believe that there was some sort of contact between him and Ochoa. So by trying to like fake an injury on his part, he gets, he's trying to out CONCACAF CONCACAF. You cannot out CONCACAF CONCACAF, you know? And so- If you can, you deserve the trophy. Yeah. And so- he gets a red card for theoretically like raising his head into a choa, I think is what they thought they saw. He did not. That, yep. Nothing <laughs> happened. There was no contact. So teams are pissed off. Bob Bradley, and this is where Long Island's son, even though he's from Persephone, New Jersey, I would take Bob Bradley in a fight over a choa. I don't know about you. There are very few people in soccer I would – pick to beat Bob Bradley in a fight. And so one of the nice things is you get the camera and you get, you know, Bob Bradley saying, why don't you just fucking play football to the other team? And all the because way they have down. been shithousing and time wasting the whole first half. Yeah. They haven't even scored. It's zero zero in their time wasting. So they also got a PK. Uh, no, a Toyota does not get a PK going into the box there. Mm hmm. And he should have, but uh, LA uh, Club America got a PK to to score, right? That was their yeah. first goal. Yeah. So he gets blatantly clipped. Goes the reason he's down in the first place is because they should have given him a PK that they missed. We're, I mean, this is like we're <laughs> unfolding. You have to understand, this is like a global conspiracy. I feel like a, a you know a Trump person on QAnon right now describing it's parlor. this. It's parlor now. It's parlor. Because <laughs> we're just getting out into crazyville, right? So at halftime, a, uh, uh, Herrera grabs Ante Razov, Chicago Fire legend, who I'm sure Peter has some stories about, grabs him, touches him by the head, Razov gets separated. Herrera keeps barking at Razov. Razov jams him upside the head. Clean shot. Clean yes. shot. <laughs> so we go into the half. They finally get the team separated. All the while you hear, you know, Bob, I'm worried Bob Bradley's going to have to throw, drop, you know, drop somebody at 62 years old. They finally get the team separated. Everybody comes in you come out for the second half and they cut to Herrera having this bloodshot eye and they give you no context because CONCACAF does not communicate anything to you. Nope. No, the, the CONCACAF guys were like, you know, smoking cigarettes at halftime, having a cocktail, you know, they're like, we're just like, this is, the, this is good here. shit. Yeah. <laughs> we got all the ratings. People are talking about yeah. us. Like we're, we're, we're good. This great junket out in, in Orlando. You know, this is fantastic. Four star hotel down the road. We're staying at the Ritz. This is great. Good. We got to do this every year. Yeah. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, do, do they have a Ritz Carlton, you know, in, in, in Guadalajara? I don't think so. No, we're in Orlando. There might be this one like by beach. I don't know. Yeah. There might be like, there one. might be, <laughs> might be one, you know, uh, do they have a, you know, so they're, they're, they're living the dream. 
but they don't report to anyone what's happened at halftime, which is that the official saw Ante Razov with the right, the right, you know, catching Herrera. They also, th- so they throw Razov out. They throw Herrera out, mm-hmm. but they don't, it doesn't look like they've thrown Herrera out because Herrera takes up right behind the bench. And even more. <laughs> <laughs> he is communicating with the bench. Yeah. Like he's got in an empty stadium. <laughs> yeah. In an empty stadium. He's right behind the bench, just talking, talking to him about Into what's going on. a walkie talkie. Well, no, the walkie talkie comes out later because the CONCACAF officials finally, after like 10 minutes, are like, oh, geez. This, you know, Herrera, who has a rather booming voice, right? Mm hmm. Is they're like, oh geez, oh geez, guys, maybe we should put down the cigarettes and, and you know stop hanging around and doing nothing, and walk over and you know stop talking about Chuck Blazer and his four hundred cats, and walk over and maybe move Herrera away from the bench so that you know the the effect of the red card, which is you can no longer coach, right? That's kind of the goal, right? Like you're done. You're just a spectator. <laughs> you know, works. And so they finally like mo- start moving Herrera up, and it's like this this negotiation, like the 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 Palestine Israel peace process is going on between Herrera and the Concacaf officials, who are just like, dude, we just want to play some golf. You know, this is a this is a ceremonial job for me, dude. We're just here for money and golf. We're not yeah. here to actually uphold a good competition. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't bribe us right now because the United States has strict anti-bribery bribery laws. But, you know, when we get back, you know, let the money flow, right? Even, even Chuck Blazer went out of the country to collect the bribes, I think. I mean, you and, just got to be a politician to get your bribes now. But yeah, yeah. that's a whole different <laughs> In any case, finally... At the like 20 minute mark, they get Herrera up to a place where he's far enough away from the bench. Like he's in some fancy luxury box just sitting there, right? Luxury box in an empty Orlando stadium. That's yeah. not like it's not like a legit state. I don't know like what stadium it was, but it's not like this hot. It's not where Orlando City play. I, I just assume it's like an ESPN property, even though the match yeah, is like broad, broadcast on Fox Sports. You know, it's an ESPN. It's a stadium Fox built for, for these sorts of televised events. In any case, they finally – then this is where you, you come in, Kyle, because then what is – what did they cut to of, of Herrera in the stands? Talking into a walkie-talkie, communicating with his bench. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he had gotten an extra game suspension for doing so. <laughs> but like, the great thing is, like, this isn't like, you know, uh, I, I feel like Tony, maybe Tony Poulos or or one of the guys tried to like, or, or even the Valentine sneaking back into the dugout wearing the mustache and glasses I feel like one of the, the Premier League managers like tried to sneak into the stadium once when he was on a stadium ban and like be able to, you know, relay messages down or something like that. And like they caught him. But like that was sneaking into a full stadium. Like theoretically, you could get away with it. You know, you just blend into the crowd. No, Herrera is the only guy there. It's an empty stadium. There's no fans. It's the coaching staffs of both teams and the players and maybe like a couple, like the broadcasters. There's not that many people. You the, can't the three get away with this. three CONCACAF who don't know what's going on, you know? And this is like, you're Miguel Herrera. You're probably the, what, second most known person in the stadium, maybe even number one. Like you're the most well-known person in the stadium. I mean, I think because of the memes, you know? <laughs> Even before the memes, like this is like if you took a picture of Bob Bradley and Herrera on 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 Twitter, I think more people would recognize Herrera because of the memes, right? And like he is a former Eltree manager, so he's got that going for him as well. I mean, Bob Bradley used to you know manage America, like United States, but L being the former Eltree manager goes a lot further. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal, and you're managing. Are one of the biggest clubs in Mexico? <laughs> You're not going to go discreetly. <laughs> oh, oh, no, uh, just calling in my, my pizza order on my Zach Morris telephone, guys. Not a walkie-talkie. 
not a walkie-talkie. Like, come on. <sighs> so, yeah. fired, by the way, today. Did you see that, though? Yes, fired, oh. which yeah. if you embarrass the club in that way, it, it, that was just, what, one or two weeks prior, you lose your biggest rival yeah. in the playoff. Yeah, that's going to get you fired. Yeah, Losing to your biggest rival, and, and they got outplayed in both legs. It wasn't, you know, a clo- it was thorough beatdown. And they were Are you watching Liga MX too? I'm starting to. Man. They, it was Club America against Chivas, the biggest rivalry. Yeah. That was on the day before Thanksgiving. It was on yeah. NBC Sports. I was like, you know what? Let's watch yeah. it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I tune in here and there. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I just don't know where you find the time to watch all of this soccer. You know, as as I've learned in this lockdown, I have pockets of time. It's just there's a small pocket of time that I have between when my kid is not awake, when Emma does wants to do her own thing. I have this small window. That's when I'm trying to. That's when I use that time. And when there's a lockdown, it was all the time because I was working from home and it was just odd. Yeah, you need some background noise. Yeah, um, some leagues provide that, like yeah. the Swedish league. That was good background noise. The Turkish league. You are our you are our most popular podcaster in in Sweden. I think that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, so the Concacaf Opera, as I've I've come come to, I mean, it just had everything that you would want from Concacaf. It was it was gorgeous. It was you know it was beautiful. Uh, in scaling down, and I don't think it'll ever hit the heights of of opera. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the returning guys from, from forward Madison. Um, uh, and then also just kind of touch on, uh, you know, who's, who we know is left, but before we get into that, Kyle, you wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on around USL league one, maybe some possible signings that, that guys you're surprised that haven't re-signed, um, guys that are out there in the, in the firmament. Um, you know, the, the one that really surprised me were the number of guys, not coming back to North Texas, um, you know, and I, I think, you know, FC Dallas is a really good program. Um, and I, I thought, you know, the, the one that was shocking to me was Damus that he didn't get re-signed um, because I thought he had some value out in the market, at least um, he's young, you know, and maybe you sign him for another two year and ship him off to USL league one, but he did have a stint, I think elsewhere in, in league one on loan and our, no, our Arturo Rodriguez, that was Arturo Rodriguez. Yeah. he was up in the championship. Yeah. Uh, it, not in league one in, in the championship. Sorry. But yeah. So that's Dennis, another one I, I got thought, released. Yeah. So Rodriguez got released as well. And that one surprised me, but his stint with, uh, you know, RSL, uh, with their championship team, um, was pretty short. And so I wonder if there's something going on there behind the scenes that, you know, uh, maybe they gave the coaching report back and they said, you know, this is not not a guy you want, although he did sign with Phoenix already. Um, you know, he was with the Real Mon- Monarchs for like two matches. It was really short. And I was sort of surprised that it ended that quickly. But, you know, so I, I was surprised they didn't keep him around. But Damas is the other really surprising one there. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, you're looking at Arturo Rodriguez – Two years ago, wins the MVP, wins the league, goes to Real Monarchs, doesn't work out there. I mean, Monarchs also had a difficult season performance-wise, but comes back to North Texas, sparks a run in which they almost made the final, and they don't bring him back. And I thought that was odd. You would think, kind of like what you're saying, maybe have a one- or two-year deal, work something out. You can send him on loan. You can sell him elsewhere. As we've seen with Dallas, a lot of their young players are getting scouted by big teams in Europe. You know, you see Brian Reynolds, he might go to Juventus. Ricardo Pepe is getting scouted. There's a lot of youngsters at Dallas. So you would think with those potential departures, that would open up room for those guys. But it, maybe it was a contract situation. Maybe it was a money thing. Maybe it was just a guarantee, like a pathway. I don't know. Yeah. Because with Damus, he's uh, he's proven he could be a USL League One striker. He probably could be a championship striker, depending on the team. He's gotten called up to the Haitian national team. So you, there is value to him. There is something there. So again, maybe it's the same situation, maybe no pathway, but if FC Dallas sell Pepe, 
that's a position that that's a possibility, but I don't know what's going to happen. It was like him. I think um, Evans, I think it was either Evans or one of their other or Alex Bruce. They didn't bring him back. So it just seems like that core squad that won North Texas, the title two years ago and almost had them in the final again this year is gone. So I thought that was a noteworthy change. And I mean, there's always going to be a bunch of Academy products that come through and they're still going to be there. It's still FC Dallas Academy, which is very talented, which produces talented players. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new batch of players that come through and do well, but that was one of the more noteworthy roster changes out of the rest of the league. I mean, we saw Greenville, they, and we'll touch more about this later, but Greenville bringing back their core squad, the Richmond bringing back some of their key players. You know, you saw Terzaghi coming back, Antley coming back, Bolano's coming back. Like they've brought back some guys. I don't know with Omaha. I didn't see any other big, big names in terms of returning or going. So maybe they're just waiting or working on that. Tormenta I, seems I, to be bringing I, back their I'll guys. Honest, I generally just try to mute all Omaha talking <laughs> I mean, um, they keep so, thinking they're going to win this final, and I'm sorry, but if you're the reason there was no final with all your COVID cases, you can't really say you deserve a chance. You kind of fucked it up yourselves. It, it's a unique. Like, I feel bad for them because it would have been interesting, but you can't also say you can't also guarantee you would have beaten Greenville because <laughs> Greenville is really good. Yeah, well, you beat them once when they had nothing to play for, so congratulations. That means you're going to win the final. Um, it's, it's a level of delusion, uh, there, um, speaking of level of delusion, no, um, (laughs) although you may disagree with me here, uh, Greenville was very excited to sign one of former Madison's, uh, players and they announced it and he's not returning to the club. Uh, Don smart. Now I think we may have differing opinions on Don smarts value here. Um, I'm of the mind, uh, you know, 33-year-old wingers, uh, less of a, a, a quantity. And I, I'm sort of surprised, actually, Greenville signed him. Maybe they got him on a, a good price, but he didn't seem to fit with their system in the way that I, I thought, you know, he might. Maybe they're going to have him play as a sort of super sub. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts about Don Smart leaving? It definitely was clear in the second year he wasn't producing. And I think we can assume he was one of the highest earners at the club. So when you're not producing at even a semblance, there was no flash of what we saw in year one. I think other than the Tormenta match, we really didn't see Don at his best that we had saw in year one. And between that and you get a new coach, how he plays, maybe it's not going to line up. He, the thing with Dom was he was a little bit more versatile. He was playing, you know, because first he was playing on the right. There's some matches where he could play up top. He could play anywhere in the forward line. He was playing in the midfield, which I thought was interesting. So could he have some value? Maybe. But if you're paying that much money for a guy that, quite frankly, underachieved, you can't necessarily keep him around. And it seems like with the players for Madison are bringing back, there definitely is more of a... I don't want to say philosophical shift, but it definitely seems like what they're trying to do is going to be different. And, you know, one of the things that you notice with Richmond, with Greenville, with Omaha, with Tormenta, with Tucson, they had young, fast, athletic guys in their attack. And it was very clear with Madison, with Don, Paul, and Woj, that wasn't going, you weren't getting that. And maybe you can say, well, they get the experience, but it's kind of tough to justify it. So I don't know what role he's going to play in Greenville because one of the players at Greenville decided not to bring back was Jay Keegan. So maybe Don comes in and bees that next option, maybe as a super sub, maybe he starts, you know, everyone's like maybe still gets the occasional start here or there, but it, it does seem like with what four Madison's trying to do moving forward, it was kind of more of a philosophical change and Don wasn't going to fit that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, relatively speaking, first of all, when this, you know, roster was assembled, we had no idea what the rest of the league would look like. And I think, you know, you're also trying to figure out what the, the you know, how you create success in the league. And, you know, Madison went with a fairly experienced roster when you think about that first year between, you know, Connor, uh, between um, Paolo Jr., between, uh, you know, 
Sylvester and goal went, uh, and even, you know, uh, Ryan Coulter and goal when JC Don. JC Don, you know, it was, it was an older and more experienced roster. And I think one of the things that Lansing in particular revealed last year and, uh, Omaha did a little bit as well this year is, um, going younger seems a way to go the little bit more energetic, um, you know, front line, as you've mentioned, actually, and it was one of the, the sort of surprising, you know, things. And I, I don't think he's, you know, going to be, uh, back. And, and now I'm, I'm blanking on the guy that we signed from Tucson that just didn't. Oh, Jamil uh, Cox. Yeah. Jamil Cox, who I thought, you know, we got younger, we got faster up front and he never appeared in, in many matches. Um, and Don, you know, and the other thing is, and we talked a little bit about this, if you remember with Rob, uh, Chapel in counterattacking, you know, speed up front helps with, with counterattacking and you might be able to have one fixed point, you know, like a, a Vosge or you think about, you know, uh, with, with someone like Drogba who was pretty fast with Chelsea, but also wasn't required to lean on the speed as much as the physical presence. You can have a bigger guy or Giroud leading, a, you know, for France in the world cup, you know, the adjective you don't associate with Giroud, first of all, is, is speedy. Usually it's ungodly handsome, but that's a separate story. But you had, <laughs> you know, wingers, particularly Mbappe, who were quick that as they and Pogba quick in the midfield and could launch that ball and then follow it up. If you're playing that counterattacking style, we didn't necessarily have the pieces for that either um, and, and getting that transition. So I'm not surprised Don left. I'm not terribly disappointed he left i mean i think um you know i've pointed out the stat that i think six or seven of his goals came before the sort of mid-year break last year and since then he scored three goals uh in league play for for forward in something like 27 matches he's had three assists as well but you need more production out of that position i think overall and and after we got that production from dono was sort of disappointed to see that drop off and see that kind of continue into this year. Yeah. It was kind of a bummer just because especially this past season where we're getting to the final stretch and maybe you can chalk it up to, it took a while, you know, there was a COVID break. They didn't really have the time to train and We can understand, you know, the first half of the season, maybe you're just re trying to get your sharpness and everything else. But it was odd because I would say his first couple games, he looked more threatening. He looked fresh. I mean, and that Tormenta game was, what, the fourth game of the season. That was his best game. And it seemed like after that, it was, he completely, it it was kind of the same thing. You know, there wasn't much production coming from him. And it it was like, he kind of dropped off Paulo. Well, wasn't necessarily that much better. At least Paulo throughout the second half of the season was starting to show those signs again. So it was, Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a it's not surprising. It's somewhat of a bummer that he goes to Greenville because, you know, the last thing you want to see is the <laughs> title defending champions get stronger and take a player from your own team. Who knows how that can impact. If Don had gone to, you know, a Nisa club, then I think we would have been like, okay, cool, whatever. But going to Greenville, it's like, no, okay. He's going to come back and haunt us. It's kind of a link. <laughs> yeah. You, you, what you, what you don't want is him, you know, knocking in, in the winter against you, you know, this year, Paulo's statistics were 16 appearances, three goals, four assists. Um, you know, not bad, uh, participated in 35% of Madison's goals overall, which also is probably an indicator of why, uh, you know, things went, went haywire this year that, uh, 35%, uh, seven, seven points or whatever you want to call it gets you 35% participation. Uh, guy that we didn't see much of announced on Twitter that he's not coming back is uh, Jalen Fiat Chrysler. He's a guy that, you know, if the, uh, I really think, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of sliding doors moments where if he doesn't get injured early on in the season, his season looks very, very different. I mean, he had started and lined up with, with Connor in the, in the heart of the back four and, you know, they were the the staff was excited about him, you know, coming in, and then he hurt his knee right there, right off the off, and just never got back into the eleven. Never, I think it took him a while to get back in in form and and all that. So he's a guy we wish the best of luck. Wish we could have seen 
more of them here at Madison, but it's a, a harsh reality of, of lower league professional soccer, I think. Yeah, it's just, you know, the injuries, it seems as though the injuries were just too much, especially in a condensed season. Maybe if it was a full regular season, we he could have been eased back in. There would have been more friendlies. There would have been, you know, an open cup match. I think he would have had more chances to kind of fight his way back. But, you know, he loses that spot. Josiah comes in, him and Turbo form that partnership. That becomes really a good partnership. So even if he is healthy, then it's tough to necessarily take put him in the lineup in replacement of Trimingham. So it, it is a bummer just because we don't who knows what would have happened if he doesn't get hurt that day. Maybe he does pick up an injury. Who it's just a there it's a big what if. Um but yeah we do wish him the best. I I'm sure he'll find somewhere to go. It, it's clear that he has the talent as you know he plays for Detroit City that you know, was impressive. He comes to Fort Madison, starts that first game. The talent's there. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy, and hopefully he does. Yeah. Um, the, but related to that, the, the club did announce that they re-signed Josiah Trimmingham. And Josiah, when he came in, um, he's he's got a lot of, of strong attributes, I think. Um, he's, he's now 24, but a bit on the younger side. Um, I think he and Turbo worked out a, an understanding. Um, I was a little worried early in the year with Trimmingham's distribution out of the back, but I think it's gotten better. Um, and he's a, a physically imposing presence. And I, I think also, like I said, just a great vocal leader. I mean, it's one of the things uh, that from the back, back long, long ago when we could go watch the team play in person, um, I remember very clearly was Josiah's uh, voice echoing around Bree Stevens in that preseason uh, scrimmage that we saw because he takes control and, and takes command. And I think that's, you know, something that they really appreciate and it's good to have out of your center backs and whether or not, um, you know, Connor Tobin comes back, it's good to have that in that piece in place, that vocal leader in place in the center of the defense. Yeah. I wonder with his passing, if that was just because of the tactic, if it was, I mean, I know early on it was kind of rough, but it was more of a just, launch it for and get it to Walsh hope for the best and as it got as he got more settled into the system maybe that helped but we've seen that he is good on the ball he can create yeah from the ball we saw on his cross to uh Paulo over in Tucson we saw his almost goal he he's got a good enough touch and technique but yeah it is good to have him back if even if Turbo comes back or not I mean you have at least one person in that back line who is confident, who is that vocal leader, only 24, which is good, you know, athletic enough to stay with the quicker forwards. I, I think he's going to be more familiarity with either Madison, whether they play up Bree Stevens or if they go back to Hard Park, wherever they play, maybe that'll help with the familiarity as well. Um, it, it's just good to get a key piece of a back line that was really good last year. So to bring one, bring someone back, you can never be too upset about that. And then a guy who kind of um, filled in, made 11 appearances last year, was partially on the back line, uh, did, I think, fill in in that North Texas game when uh, 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 Jalen Fiat Chrysler went out, um, is Long Island's own Long I- son of Long Island, uh, Gustavo Fernandez. Uh, and uh, too bad that, you know, Strong Island's Dan Fallon isn't here to comment on this. Um, but uh, one of the things that he impressed with is he can play either in that center back position. I think he's also, um, physically, you know, he's he listed as six foot, but he seems bigger somehow. Uh, seems like he can win the ball in the air quite well. Uh, maybe it's just because he was standing next to Eric Leonard a lot of the time in the center midfield, but has the ability to possess the ball, to distribute the ball. Um, but can also slide into that center back role if, turbo doesn't come back and i think when you're assembling a usl league one roster having a guy that can come and fill in a couple of spots and possibly compete for a couple of spots is really really helpful as we saw last year actually with jira as well um and so um gustavo fernandez i'm i'm excited to see him back because i thought he could be an excellent dcm um even though we know i love eric leonard yeah, it's tough to know what he's going to be next year. You know, it obviously depends if Eric Leonard comes back. Does Leonard get the sixth role? Then you move him to center back. If Turbo comes back, do you try? And Leonard doesn't, then you can move him to six. If both Leonard and Turbo come back, 
where do you put him? I, it depends on obviously what Carl Craig is going to do formation wise and tactic wise, but having someone like him who's young and versatile enough and has again, another player where familiar with the team familiar with at, at least comfortable on the ball. I, I want to know what he's going to be. It feels like he's kind of floating in between and we, and there was no assurance of what position would suit him best. I think that's also because, you know, you had Turbo and Josiah and Jalen Fiat Chrysler in the center back, and then you had Eric Leonard and Brand Neaton when they brought down Alan Rodriguez. They had a lot of guys in that yeah. sixth role. So now with the current construction, I would assume he's going to probably slot into the center back for now. If Turbo or Leonard comes back, they'll kind of clarify it more. But it'll be interesting to see what he brings and you know, he, yeah, he definitely seems taller than everyone. I think at six foot, it's just, there's not that many six footers out there. So, um, one thing too, is that in the past, uh, Carl Craig has been known to play a four, two, three, one. And I think if you have a good distributing midfielder in there, then, you know, you bring back Leonard, you could play those two guys at the base of the midfield and, you know, you can get someone who's maybe a little bit more creative. And this is something actually, and, um, at some point we, we can go into this in more depth because we've been talking for a while, but then you can bring in more of a, a classic number 10 like Josie L was last year or give Michael Vang more freedom uh, to play in a more expansive role, maybe in a 4-2-3-1 with him in the center floating or a you know 4-2-1-3 if you push the forwards forward and have two at the base. So I think it's something that if that's the system that Carl Craig is going to go with, and we didn't talk much about tactics with him last week, but hopefully we will in the future, you know, is, is a distinct uh, possibility there. Um, you know, um, and it's something in teaser for the future. I do want to talk about the number 10 because I watched a lot of MLS playoffs and it was interesting to see old fashioned number 10s. So uh, talk about that in the future, in a future episode. I'll touch on it. There is a certain team over in England who is struggling to create goals. They are based in North London. They probably could use a number 10 on their roster. And it was very evident with the space that was there. I'm just saying like, yeah, we can talk about the 10s because there is a team that really needs a 10. So you think we should sign Mesut Ozil is what you're saying? I'm just saying if he's available, he's available. He's not playing. So, yeah. well, and so we can talk about why Arsenal may not use him from, for tactical reasons. Uh, that brings us, we mentioned by the way, our third signing. And uh, I think we've said everything we, we, we will say for the time, Michael Vang, the real deal. He's a bona fide player. The fact that four Madison were able to successfully bring him back is huge. He was, I would say he was the offense and the attack for this team. And if he plays in a more traditional 10 role, that's only going to be better for him. He can pick out the passes to the forwards. He can, you know, slowly creep into the box and get a couple of goals there. We've seen that. That's kind of his thing where he gets the ball just outside. He's able to dribble in, get the goals that he needs to. This is the one where you look and it's like, they, they can make some serious noise if they, if he can be fully unlocked and you got to be excited to bring back arguably your best player, it's huge. This is a guy that we thought was going to go to the championship just based off of his performances last year and a team wanting to take a chance on him. So to get him back, uh, yeah, we can go on and on about it. I'm excited. I think all the fans are excited. He's probably excited to, you know, have that, have himself kind of be entrenched as the guy. You know, we don't want to get into trouble like we did last year where we were overhyping uh, Michael Vang. But fortunately, he delivered. I was going to say, I, it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other guy that, uh, you know, and talking to some folks who had been to games, got his first goal in the kind of last game of the season, uh, younger player as well, uh, Noah Fusan. Um, and I know, uh, you know, if we're talking about getting younger on the on the wings or up front or however, uh, Noah is, is ideal for that. Yeah, he was 20. the guy I remember mentioning a few times. His off-the-ball work really stood out to me, and I was – I mean, you go from Woj to him and you see the difference that was crucial. And he had, he was getting good looks. He just couldn't finish it until that final game. I hope that gives him confidence. I think he's going to be someone that really will benefit from a more younger attack. If Ford Madison chooses to go that route, he, like I said, his work rate off the ball was already there. I think if he can get himself in more positions to get better looks on goal, he's, 
I'm not, I don't want to say he's going to be, you know, the number nine that Ford Matthews is looking for. I'm not going to say he's going to score X amount of goals, but I think he's someone that will really kind of make that jump that Giro did where we knew the talent was there the year before, but he really takes that next step in year two with the team. Yeah. That's, I think what a lot of people are excited about. The other thing that I think that he offers that Woj didn't necessarily offer in the, in the same way is the ability to defend from the front. I think, you know, that off the ball work, was also on the defensive side of the ball. If we're going to press a little bit more, if we're going to play more on the front foot, um, that, you know, instead of more of a, a receptive, defensive, counterattacking, I know, you know, Daryl didn't love that term, but we were we moved towards a more defensive style than what was uh, initially on the, on the table early on. Um, and I think, you know, um, having someone that, like Noah up front, you know, allows that, that more for front foot, you know, that, that pressing that, that kind of more aggressive style. And if we bring in another young winger with him, that'll be excellent as well. Um, don't know about a lot of the players yet. Probably won't know until the new year. Um, but uh, we have a, a couple of things that we're going to update on. Um, we're adding a new segment. Um, and so uh, first, before I talk about that new segment, uh, if people want to contact us, Kyle, do you know how they can contact us? They can reach out to us on Twitter at forwards Bakwa two. If you and want to do that, or you can reach out to our personal Twitter accounts. No, actually don't do that. Just go to the, go to the forwards backwards Twitter page. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you want to uh, going forward, we're announcing a new, a new s- segment, uh, undelivered mailbag uh, where you can, uh, I think we have an email address as well, but I haven't checked that in months. So uh, contact us either, uh, via Facebook, via the Twitter is probably the best way to reach us. If you want to submit a letter or comment or question to the show, you can do it on Twitter. Maybe we'll op- even open up a, a Twitter you know, uh, post where people can post their questions. And we will choose one that we will read on the air for you. Um, what I'm going to tell you about that is we are not going to address or answer your question in any way. So, you know, you ask Keith, uh, Kyle, Dan, if you're sometimes around, uh, you know, this sometimes why of this podcast, the Jerobi from Tribe Called Quest, if you will, <laughs> um, Dan, Dan Fallon, uh, you know, who's going to be our backup goalkeeper next year? Uh, you can ask that question. We will steadfastly refuse to to answer. We're going to talk around it as much as we possibly can for a couple of minutes. And we may just you know, talk about whatever we want to talk about during that period. However, here's the thing I think that, you know, people should think about. You can be strategic with these questions and I'm hoping, you know, listeners will come up with even better strategies, but I think Kyle and I and Dan have revealed ourselves to be the sort of people who we develop distaste for, for certain things. (laughs) Um, You know, we were talking about a certain NBA writer before the podcast began that Kyle has developed a distaste for. And so I think one of the things that listeners can do is maybe try to bait us into ending up talking about this, these things that we don't want to talk about, or, you know, knowing that we have this restriction that we're not going to talk about what, you know, your letter is about to us. Remember, it's not all letters we're going to, but maybe you, you craft a particularly good tweet or DM to us that, gets us to not talk about something you don't want us to talk about. So I imagine perhaps the Arsenal listeners out there to our podcast are tired of us talking about how wonderful and fantastic Jurgen Klopp is. They may craft a tweet, a, a DM to us, may slide into our DMs like, like Drake late at night, um, you know, with a, with a message for us that will prevent us from after a particularly glorious Liverpool triumph, you know, from talking about Liverpool. So uh, there you go. Uh, hoping to hear from uh, listeners about other questions, comments, concerns about the undeliverable mailbag. Uh, Kyle, anything you want to address? I know we haven't let you, I, I listened to the brew hoop discussion of Giannis Um I don't know if you need more time to to talk about how great this is. Um, I think what you guys explained is that like, finally we can talk about other stuff is, you know, kind of nice. Um, and that, you know, like every bucks Twitter argument now isn't just like a stand in <laughs> for, 
like your anxiety about Giannis uh, re-signing, you know, in some sense? Basically, it's nice that we can focus on trying to win a championship and not have every game be a context for will Giannis leave? Will Giannis stop signing super etc. It's just nice to go back to arguing with other fans about the key things. It's kind of nice where you can just do that like a normal fan base would. You don't have to worry about your best player leaving. He signed for another five years. I can now just hate Bucks Twitter for what it truly is. A bunch of people I think they're smarter than you when it's just not true. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy having that happen again. I, I and mean, I want to preface, I am not one of those people. I don't think I'm smarter than anyone because I don't know enough to be considered smart. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think when you really get down to it, Giannis signing is kind of like the COVID vaccine for Bucks Twitter, isn't it? It's like eventually it's going to allow things to get back to normal, which is, you know, pretty shitty, but it's normal. I think it's like when you're waiting for your food and you're just sitting there waiting for it to be brought. And in the meantime, you're just getting hangry and you're just making snippy comments, everyone at the table. And then the food shows up and you're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> it's kind of like that. The food has finally showed up at the, the table. The food is here. Yeah. We can focus. It's, it's everyone's in a good mood. It's a, it's a lovely Euro to honor, you know, Giannis's Greek, uh, Greek uh, origins there. Um, I also just uh, I love the the brother uh, of Giannis. I forget which one who's pictured in the Liverpool top. So you know, the there you go. That's that's well, for our like Arsenal friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple of notes: if you get a chance, uh, go to the the flock page, donate uh, to relief in Honduras. Uh, Grant uh, and uh, Jeff Anderson uh, both put out a great uh, you know a great uh, video about what's going on down there, how, how you can help what the contributions are going to. So if you have the Twitter machine forward flock posted that we retweeted it, uh, work on your undeliverable mailbag questions going forward. Uh, please don't, you know, like us on, on Google or anything like that. We, we prefer only negative comments like the conservative dudes from Twitter that I pissed off um, because uh, that was long ago. Um, they gave us one star ratings cause I had pissed them off. Um, I, I insulted insulted them in various ways. They deserved it. Yeah. Well, they they were white conservative twenty somethings. Yeah, they definitely deserved it. Uh so we welcome we welcome their hatred. Um. So uh, w- without further ado, uh, we say Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Hanukkah is now concluded, so we won't wish you a Happy Hanukkah. Um, happy Winter Solstice, I believe, is today. Uh, Monday. So I wish you a happy one of those as well. Um, And stay safe out there. Uh, Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. 